0: Now on to the show.
1: So welcome to Morning Walk with the Artists Forge. My name is Nicole York. I'll be your host. And today, I'm going to be bugging Becca just a little bit this morning, despite the fact that she's navigating substances best unmentioned, um, because you had a question for a potential topic, and I would love to hear a little bit more about what you were thinking around that topic maybe we can flesh it out and chat a bit about it today I
2: guess I can ignore the cat pee um yeah my uh my question which I, I would want to hear from our lovely group members out there or maybe even more in depth uh on Facebook or something later um, but my question is why do you look at art? And I'm curious what people have to think about that. And I mean, that can apply to to many things. Why do you go and watch a movie? Uh, Why do you read a book? Why do you listen to a piece of music? Why do you go to a sculpture garden to look at those sculptures? Why do you go to an art museum? And uh, I was just kind of thinking about that within the context of why and how to most effectively create our own art. And, you know, what is it that we want to experience from other artwork out there in the world?
1: Ooh, it's a good question. So I know, um, will we have you for a full session today, Bassam, or will you have to head off?
3: No, I'm here. I'm here today.
1: Okay, rad. So I want to make sure we have a little bit of time to chat about that and then snag up friends from the audience. So if you're in the audience today and you want to be part of this conversation about why we look at art, what is it that we're getting? Why do we do the things? Be thinking about that and raise your hand and we'll pull you up in just a little bit but in the meantime um I know you've actually mentioned something about this before Basam about that not really you're not really seeking out art much and so I'm curious um is this even a question you would have an answer to or I mean of course Becca mentioned even movies and other things so maybe you do but I'd be curious to hear from somebody who um you mentioned you know you didn't really grow up with that being a thing where you'd want to just go seek art to, to peruse. So what do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I, think, I think there's a difference between uh, not seeking art, not, not having a, a, a keen interest in the arts and, and, and being immersed in that world and, and uh, having a passion for it versus being able to appreciate art and being able to, to, to look at it and, and ponder it and so on. So yes, I didn't grow up in a household where art was even on the radar screen. And <clears throat> and maybe that's the reason where you know, just like music, same thing for music. Uh, that's the reason why I don't pursue any of that as such. But again, in, at the age of 50, I did discover photography as a form of art and as, as, as a hobby and a passion eventually. And I have changed over the last few years. I, I do seek it out more. Uh, but when I made statements about that, it was more about uh, being really immersed in it to a point where I use it for inspiration and I use it to kind of drive my own, uh, my own work or my own creative uh, pursuit. So uh, yeah, I, the question of how, why do I look at art um, it's it's not going to be easy to answer for me. I think uh, it's a subject that I'm really looking forward to hear what people have to say about and and see where this goes.
2: So I think it's interesting that you mentioned inspiration there because I was not considering this question from necessarily that perspective. Like we're going out and we're searching out specific things, you know, so we can apply that to our own art or be inspired. I'm thinking purely from our day-to-day lives kind of perspective? Like, uh, I mean, I I originally was considering this from the perspective of filmmaking because that's on my mind anyway. Um, Why, I mean, I'm sure you've gone to the movie or you've sat down on the couch and watched Netflix. What is it, is it that drives you to choose those artistic experiences? And even more in a convoluted way i'm sure a lot of people don't even think of that as an artistic experience and of course there's so much art that goes into things like watching or you know creating a movie or creating a video game or designing a living room or whatever that might be but there is an art to it and what is the experience there that drives you to pursue one thing over another
1: escapism (laughs) well yeah that's a big one for me
4: that and like uh like when you think about music and, and movies, it's what we choose to fill our, like our lives with like the nooks and crannies of our lives. When I, the only time I go, seek to listen out music is when it's, when it's quiet or when I want to change the atmosphere, not necessarily that I think, Hey, I want to change the atmosphere. I'm just like, it's quiet or I want, I need some upbeat music um, or. Uh, like if I want to go see a movie it's usually a funny movie like I or I want to be entertained and then like I love that feeling of thinking back on the movie and, and laughing at, at funny parts of it and I those things kind of tend to float around my mind and the things that we like art that we we look at visually and see and and the feelings that come with that are how we kind of flood our lives and and put little things in I mean for me put little things in like nooks and crannies and fill in the quiet spaces. And um, it really tends to like flavor our worlds, especially if it's not, we're not just speaking in like the two dimensional something on your wall, but it definitely applies to that. Like, what do you fill your life with? What do you surround your, your life with? Like what, and it, even if it's not like official art, like. What do you look at outside? What does what your world around you appear to be? Um, and how do you hear it and see it and, and fill your senses?
1: Yeah, I, I, I definitely can identify with that. And for me, I think there's kind of, there's actually multiple reasons that I would be or feel like I needed to seek out art. Sometimes it's a state change, right? Like um, I'm not in a super great mood or I've had a kind of bummy day. I don't wanna watch a comedy. I want to elevate my feelings a little bit. I wanna feel happier and get a good laugh in, or you know, I'm feeling maudlin. And so I'm gonna support that because it's kind of a a weirdly good feeling in a way. Um, And so I go watch some period drama or something. Um, So sometimes it's a state change that I'm looking for Always, there is just, I think, a connection to the sublime. There's something in the act of creating that I feel like is the thumbprint of the creator on our souls in a way. And whether I'm the one creating or enjoying a creation, there seems to be a connection to the sublime in that that I want. And then finally, Um, I mentioned escapism. I think for me, the pieces that I tend to be the most drawn to are the ones that remind me that there are amazing things still outside my experience. So whether that is places I can't get to, or types of fantasy things that, you know, we don't experience in real life, or just something done so well that it touches your soul a little bit, those things tend to be the things that I look for and if I were to have my way I mean I would live in a hobbit house in the woods so even that form of art and architecture that harkens back to the past and something within us that's connected to history and the land and the simpler way of life all of those things I'm deeply drawn to those things so I don't know if that is from Also an escapist point of view it 100% could be but um, yeah, I think those are kind of the three main The three main drivers either a state change wanting to connect to something greater than myself or uh, Escapism Anybody else don't be afraid just to
5: unmute and go Sure (laughs) <laughs> I'll hop in um, I, I, It's funny that I've spent my life Knowing all I wanted to do was art In some form and never really Asked myself why um, But when you ask that question I look back and it even started as a kid um, I think it was a way to find myself That you look at art And the way that you respond to it What it makes you feel Or what it makes you not feel And um, helps me understand a little bit more about who I am and who I want to be And when your world seems really small and you feel really stuck and it helps you look beyond that situation and remember that there's more to this life and there's more to you and there's something bigger out there I don't know if that makes sense Um, but I think it does really help me continue to grow as a person and um, to not feel quite so confined to my situation that I'm currently in. Oh, I really like that, Stacy, and
1: I connected it 100% to the way that I feel as well. There's something about really fantastic pieces of art that pull you outside of yourself, right? Um, which is so great and connects you. I mean, if you think about it, what we're doing is connecting to somebody else's thoughts, experiences, emotions, whatever it is that they put into the work. We're connecting with that without them being there. It's like, um, an intermediary. It's like the art is the telephone line in a way, which is really cool.
6: So, um, I guess I should jump in, you know, when you ask the question, I'm like, Wow, I purposely don't look at other people's art because I want to come up with my own original things, not influenced by others. So then I had to ask myself, well, does that mean I wouldn't go to the Chicago Museum of Art when I go home? No, that's not true at all. If I got a chance to go there or I go to MoMA, Uh, something like that, I definitely would go. So then I'm like, okay, what would I look at if I did, and why? (laughs) I had to ask myself this, I thought, oh, I don't have an answer for this one, you know? But I would go to the prehistoric art because of the great simplicity of the work. Or I would go to the super contemporary to see if anybody uses unusual materials, techniques, or processes, you know, um, because that's what I'm about, to see if I can expand my thinking even further than I already do. So um, it, I don't go out of my way to view others' art, though, in particular, because I have enough ideas of my own. <laughs> Too many, as yes, it is. Um, and so then why do I watch movies? Well, to keep me company while I do artwork. <laughs> so I'm pretty one dimensional when it comes to that. So Carol, I'm done speaking.
2: I don't know that that's one dimensional at all, actually. And I'm kind of seeing this, this thread through what you guys have said so far about this concept kind of a shared experience almost of sharing the experience, whether it is with the other artists who created the original work or keeping you company. All alone in your home or, you know, experiencing what life would be like in your little hobbit hole out in the woods. Um, I mean, that's, that's fascinating to me that there is this kind of communicative and social element to experience, experiencing these different kinds of art, even if not necessarily sharing them with another person
1: face to face. I think you touched on something there. Um, and I think you're right, it seems to be a through line. But that is the reason, that's the reason we share our art too, isn't it? Um, To take the thing that we made and not just to say, hey, give me some approbation because I made something cool, but to say, hey, look, here's inside parts of me. (laughs) You wanna see these inside parts of me? And hopefully a few people respond and go, oh, that looks like the inside parts of me too. And then we go, oh my God, my people, I am not alone out there. (laughs) You are here too. so it seems I think that 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 also and and the other artists here can chime in if they've had that experience as well, but for me, that's a hundred percent a big part of the way, or the reason I believe that art is meant to be shared, particularly when we make it also, because it's it's throwing it's throwing out a desperate cry into space and looking for the rest of our tribe in a way. yeah
2: totally and I know I've I've expressed before my in my own personal philosophy that generally I look at art not just as experience but as a form of communication and that applies directly to the work that I do because I have to be specifically communicating ideas and characters and storylines through the work that I create but yeah I mean it is this element of you know person to person communicate like it's it's incredibly social and um uh, hold on, baby. I'm sorry, I've got 800 children. Um, yeah, I mean, I. but so how, how then do we take that experience, you know, looking at ourselves as audience, you know, how do we apply that then into our own work? I suppose is the greater question. How does that then strengthen our own work, knowing how other people are going to be experiencing this and what they specifically are looking for in that communicative back and forth. That is so cool,
4: a cool way to think about it and how how often and how readily people want to experience uh, like that art. Um, like Carol was saying, she doesn't necessarily go look at other people's art um, very often and, and may, may go to look at different aspects of of other people's art um to go experience like attending a museum but it it's that dynamic is going to be very different for for each person and what kind of things and what kind of art or what kind of like movies and music they experience and how the frequency of that um i'm sure will vary depending on what people are seeking out but that'll that will be so interesting to figure out how that applies then to our our own work.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of this experiment of putting ourselves, you know, back into our audience's shoes, like we've talked about extensively, you know, from the business perspective and trying to think like the client. but. I mean, like really detaching ourselves from our, from our art brain, if you will, and just thinking of ourselves as laymen, I guess, you know, what is it in, in that day-to-day art consumption that really, really drives people? I mean, even just going to the bookstore, right, and you're flipping through, and you're at the library, and you're looking at the covers, and maybe reading the blurb, like something there is going to stand out to you to make you want to consume that piece of art, and it's probably going to be something artistic, like part of the cover design. You know, or even maybe just the way that the the material of the cover itself is. You know, maybe a leather bound book is going to speak to you more than a paperback, and you might not think of that as consuming art. But there's something in the aesthetics and the visual and the experience of holding that book that drives you to consume that versus something else. So not thinking of everything as necessarily I'm going out to look at art, but I like this particular house because I like the way it's laid out. That's an artistic decision by the architect, right? So there's all these little tiny elements of art that drive us and please us in some way.
6: The other thing I was gonna say is, I guess I would go to look to see presentation because I lack presentation in my in my art. So I'm going to learn. It's always about to go to learn or be inspired um, because I, I mean, I just don't know how to do that. And the other thing about it being social is, It's so opposite of the experience of doing art because I have so many hundreds of pieces that no one has ever seen. So why do I want to show it? Well, I mean, I would like to start to make money on all the work I've done. However, there is a definite social thing. It's getting validated by people, uh, the excitement of sharing uh, my discoveries. And um, the feeling of community, because art can be, I, I tend to work in isolation, and I have for years. So if I come out <laughs> to see, you know, to see people and stuff, it's, a, you know, it's kind of a major thing. It's a big occasion, and I don't know, it just strikes me as very opposite, the social experience with my art. And I'm, I'm pretty awkward about that as well, you know, and um, it's just raw. My art is just in piles raw. And, you know, sometimes I do need, I need to go and study. I should probably spend a year going and study. How do people, you know, present their art, you know, because I just, uh, I don't have that knowledge. And that's not at all what drives me. In fact, I kind of, don't really like that whole process, although it can be very creative and it can be very inspiring to see what creativity other people have employed. I just have not employed my creativity in that direction. And to me, it's like so much of the experience. I've seen some really clever, Things that people do, you know, I still got to try and do it my own way, you know, but um, but it is something I need to learn about because people see a flat canvas, and I've had other artists say, "Oh, you're you're painting on material," because it just never occurred to them that you can just paint on flat canvas. And most of mine are just piles of flat canvas. People look at it, they don't know what to do with it, so there's a big gap there between me and and the public. So that would be a, a definite good reason for me to be out looking at other people's um, presentation. Thank you.
4: I love the idea, Nicole, that you were brought up of um, like seeing something in art and or like presenting something in art and saying, this is something in me and then having somebody in return saying, oh, I recognize that in that, thing in me um and having that be that that shared experience and that being a reason why people would would seek out your art is is recognizing a part of themselves and sharing that um i wonder if that's maybe why we we seek things out or and then having that or having that recognizing that need to learn more or to to and seeing that someone else has done has done that has achieved learning more and how to and not necessarily that we see how exactly they've done it but that they we see something on a level of of maybe what we see that's aesthetically pleasing or beautiful that they've achieved that we are are seeking to be able to create in ourselves ourselves and now i'm like thinking back to the the three reasons you kind of spit out there at the beginning um sorry that was not a very eloquent way of reiterating that um that that really seem to um like nail it nail what we're why we would would um either be seeking art or creating art
1: i want to hear from juliet but then i definitely have a couple things i want to make sure i respond to with you and carol because i was really thinking as you guys were talking Um, about this idea of connection and Carol, you mentioning it kind of being the polar opposite of the experience of creation and something really hit me. So I wanna make sure I bring
5: that up, but I wanna hear from Juliet. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning. Well, with what Carol and MJ said, um, I like to go to galleries because of how much I just love people and it's fun to see all the different kinds of things that you can see. In, a, in in smaller galleries. And, um, but the, my first thought when you asked was, why do I look at art? Cause it makes me feel good. And it made me think of um, December, 2020, I went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And typically I'm not up for greatest hits or a museum or a musician, but it was like walking in and seeing old friends because I did grow up looking at art and, um, you know, even if it wasn't all my favorite stuff, it was just familiar and comforting. And that's why it was so amazing for me.
1: Ooh, it's so interesting that you bring that up because I felt I felt really the same way I had never been, of course I'd been to museums before, but I'd never been to the Met. And so when I finally got to go, it really, in fact, my experience of New York City was actually that way as well. When I showed up, and I I'm in Manhattan, and I'm like, "Oh my God, this is exactly what I expected it to be. It's like New York was like, "Hey, welcome back. I've never been there before." And yet this representation that we have in media and you know all of the different ways that we have seen New York um, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was frenetic and alive and busy and beating and you know just all of these things um, And I had the same experience walking into the Met. It was like, oh, of course, (laughs) of course it is. This is exactly what it's supposed to be. Um, So it's interesting how that connects. And I I wanted to kind of pull that into what MJ and Carol were saying um, and how Carol mentioned the fact that sometimes this experience of sharing your art and connecting um, with with people who are either experiencing your art or you're experiencing theirs, is so different from the act of creating it. And I was wondering about that for myself and whether that's my experience. And strangely enough, I actually find them to be the same for me. And here's why. When I'm creating, I'm outside myself. Or to to maybe be even more clear, I'm more myself than I ever am and I think that's because I get to shut off that front part of my brain that continuous running commentary that is always narrating everything I do when I'm in a flow state when I'm creating that part is gone and you really do feel like a catalyst or a a valve or something for The muses, right? You just feel like that is flowing through you. I'm not, I'm not connected to that ego part of my head anymore. And I feel the same thing when I'm experiencing a piece of art. I don't feel like that um, critique, that critical part of me, that analytic part of me shuts off for a little while. And I just get to experience the feeling of the thing. And then if other people are there and I'm conversing with somebody about the art, I don't have time either to constantly be hearing myself in my own head. I'm experiencing what it's like to be there with them and hear their thoughts and respond. So it's interesting how for me um, those things are different and maybe I have a feeling that the reason I gravitate towards creation and it's literally any kind. So I've mentioned before that I'm not a photographer because of any particular love for photography. I'm a photographer because it's one of the fastest tools I have to make something. And that's also, you know, it's a a way for me to get what's in my head out quickly, Um, but I will also paint and so, and do costume design and everything else, embroider, um, work with clay, I will do all of it. And if I can't, I seek out a way to do it. I think I'm constantly looking to escape from my roommate and my head. And so when I'm alone, um, I'm listening to audiobooks. When I work, I'm listening to audiobooks. If I'm driving, I'm listening to audiobooks. If I'm doing the dishes, I'm listening to audiobooks. Audiobooks are a constant companion of mine because it pulls me outside myself. So I think that's always what I'm looking for.
5: Nicole, I I really connect with that and feeling. But I think it's a mix of like being pulled outside of yourself. But then how you said also more of yourself than you've ever been while you're doing these things. And um, that made me brought to mind something. I have to run into work, so I'll make this quick. But um, I realize that when I look at art, it's slowly over time teaching me how to speak. It's like giving me a language to talk about who I am, just even to myself, if that makes sense. Um, uh, If I go back to like college, and I'm in art school, and I'm working on my craft, but I really struggled with having anything, I couldn't figure out what to say. I was like, I had all these feelings, and I needed to express them, but I couldn't put any words to it. And so, over time, slowly, when I'm taking in other people's art, especially if they're still alive and I can converse with them, um it helps bring give me language to um speak speak about who I am and figure out myself. Does that make sense? Yes.
1: Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's a totally moment of that's... integration. And before and I wanna let you go, MJ, but you just made me think of something, Stacey, that I wanted to bring up. So my oh. brother and I, he's a musician and we are we <laughs> we have a constant battle going between music and words. Um And it's not that either of us actually disagree, but we're kind of, you know, fighting for our own sides. I am one of those people that if I hear a really great poem read, or if I read a really great poem, I will probably cry. Something about words connects to me in a really deep heart space level. And for my brother, he wants to remove the words and he wants the music to do the connecting. And for both of us, that experience is a way to communicate and for him removing the words from it means that it touches something that can't be quantified um i'll I'll try to share something in the group later but for me that's kind of when you were talking about um these pieces of art giving you language in a really deep way it feels like Taking something that cannot be quantified, and that doesn't actually have words to go with it, and giving it a, a definition—not enough of a definition that it gets boxed in, boxed in—but enough of a definition that it at least points the direction of where to find the thing, which is what poetry is meant to do. But I think music probably does on a, a much deeper level. And being able to see those visuals, also, I think, is like a, a road sign. Towards that thing that we just can't properly define
2: I'm wondering now I don't know if I had enough coffee for this tangent but um kind of what the the biological drive then is for us to continue to pursue this form of communication and Juliet brought up a good point art makes us feel good we pursue things that make us feel good I mean that's our kind of Lizard brain telling us that I want to go lay in the sun. I want to eat food so I don't feel hungry. I want to fall in love and perpetuate my species. And all those things make us feel good. So we're kind of still in this biological, biological pursuit of comfort. And humans, then, are very social animals, right? So this is almost tapping into that as well, as we need that form of communication and socialization and connection because it's part of our biological drive. But I don't know if, Nicole, you have any thoughts on that.
1: I actually do. As you were talking, I just had some kind of cool metaphysical shit that I was thinking about, so I'm going to throw that out there some. Um, So one of the things that I'm super fascinated about is Plato's theories of forms if you've never heard this, he basically, Plato basically said, all the things that we experience are essentially a shadow of the real thing. So every time you see a table, you inherently know that it's a table. So somewhere in some plane of existence must be where table actually exists, not a physical form, but the idea of table in its purest sense, what its purpose and soul is, right? And... Then that kind of ties into this idea of consciousness being, sorry, we're going deep here, but hang in there with me for a minute, of consciousness actually being a quantum field. So there are some people who are wondering if our access to consciousness only starts to happen once we have complex enough brains in order to sense those let's say they're cosmic vibrations, right? Like gravity. Um, Once you're small enough, gravity starts to affect you in a different way. Once you're big enough, gravity starts to affect you in a different way. This idea that consciousness is not necessarily a thing that we have as an individual, but a reality that we all experience, that we have access to. Um, So just going on a wild supposition, that something like that were to be true, all of us having access to consciousness at a quantum level would mean some quantum entanglement is going on and we are this organism who is constantly looking for ways to communicate with itself. I'm gonna shut up because that's really weird and I recognize that, but I think it's a really cool idea.
2: Don't shut up, please continue. <laughs> Sorry
1: if I derailed <laughs> I mean, everything. I mean, it's
2: it's pretty out there. Um I mean, I'm definitely thinking of this from a a smaller level like us as as creature, right? But then what if we are greater than? What if there is this hive mind experience to it? Um but I mean, I feel like that could honestly be broken down into just us being genetically similar and having those similar drives and experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I I don't think there's a question that that's that's definitely part of the equation. Um, But I feel like so we still we still don't have a very good understanding of consciousness. It's not something that we can really pin down. And a few scientists have uh, postulated that there are certain parts of the brain, tubules and other things where they think maybe our access to consciousness resides. And of course, that's you know, that's a potential. Um, But the fact that we each have brains that are shut off from the rest of the world, they live inside black boxes, and you and I can stand at the top of this hill and see the sun coming up over the mountains and agree that that's a mountain and that's a blue sky, those are clouds, this is a cactus that's backlit by the sun, and this is a pretty thing to see, Um, says that there is something about us that agrees That this physical reality is what we're really experiencing we might have slight differences right you may not think it's as pretty as i do but we're going to generally agree on the facts of the matter so there's something that says that we are sharing a reality and you and i are able to agree on those things when we don't share that reality we are considered insane right when we don't share that reality um it it generally means that something has gone off kilter so I think there must be some connection there to the shared experience that verifies for us, this is my kind, this is true, this is real. Um, and this drive toward art, at least for me, the seeking out of of beauty or of deeper experiences um, in a way is really like a phone call to the, the black box inside your head, maybe a tapping into this greater I I want this is going to sound really weird but I want you more deeply right like I want to know you more deeply I want to understand you down into my bones and I think we have rarely that experience with people um which is why it's so amazing to have you know a spouse or a partner that can become that but when we look at a piece of art we're getting we're getting a taste of that we're getting a road sign to there and maybe the fact that we have repeated these stories across continents, across generations, across incredibly different experiences of life—you um, know, the dying god and rebirth—and a lot of these stories that are the same, so many cultures will have some kind of a mischief deity. Um, you know, the fact that there's there's these kind of universal stories that happen maybe hints at the fact that there's something deeper happening there than purely you and I are both human. Um, I'm going off on a wild tangent, but all—all all of that to say that there's something deep that connects us. Beyond, we are part of the same species, and I think art gives us access to that.
2: I'm sorry. Like be... you <laughs> No, no, don't be sorry. I'm, I'm loving this. <laughs> but curvy go ahead. Let's hear from you.
3: Right, good morning, everyone. Um, I think I just wanted to, I guess from, from, from my perspective, just sort of, sort of share how I view art, um, whether it's a, it's a painting or a film or a photograph. I think for me, it's about <clears throat> an experience whether it's a shared experience or me trying to understand someone else's experience. And that comes from, I guess, particularly when I'm looking at older paintings, I'm trying to, to understand like, how these, these techniques were developed. Like what was this artist thinking at this, at this time? Um, how this sort of piece has such longevity what's the story behind it um, whether it's it's unique whether it's just like someone just came up with this idea of a whim and decided to paint it so just really trying to to get inside the head of of the, the artist and try to see like what's what's the message there um and then when i when i look at film i guess for film it's and like for me when i look at Films. I always like lean towards the the, the film that says based on a true story, because I'm looking for that experience that's a someone actually like lived it, right? And then also the the, the idea that you know a lot of people tend to refer to dreamers as like believing everything you see in the movies, because again is this the the fairy tale ending that's an experience that someone had or an experience they they drew up and people can relate to it so for me it's all about experience
1: you know what you just said something that reminded me of a quote um about readers the quote is something like readers live a thousand times before they die and looking for that experience um every time i write something i'm watching a movie in my head every time somebody reads um they are they're living a life that's not their life even in only bits and pieces and it's interesting if you were to put somebody in front of a movie screen and monitor their brain you will see the same parts of their brain light up that will light up when they're experiencing something for themselves and that's because our brain is only interpreting electrical signals, which is why I'm going back to this idea of us being connected in some weird way. Right? Um, our brain is only interpreting electrical signals. When we can visualize something really well, if you're very good at this and you can visualize something, your brain will still light up as if you were performing that task. And professional athletes um, who only have access to actually practicing their sport for short amounts of time, can use visualization on their off time as a way to actually increase their skill level. This is a technique that they get taught to use. For artists, and those of us with really powerful imaginations who are able to visualize, we are legitimately having an experience when we create and view a piece of art. And so if you were to stand at a mountaintop and look out over the valley as the sun rose, you would have the same area of your brain light up as if you were to see a photograph of standing on a mountaintop, looking out over the, over the scene as the sun rose. It's not going to be as intense because you don't have the other physical senses included in that equation, which we're getting better at. Hence why sound is so important to add to movies and why now video games are taking over as, um, one of the more powerful forms of storytelling, because now you're introducing choice into the equation. It's not just the hearing and the seeing it is also the acting and this is why walt disney wanted to be able to pipe in heat cold and smell to his films this is why fantasia is what it is right if you were to see a movie the way walt disney intended while you were sitting there um you would feel heat when there's a desert scene and you would smell popcorn when the character goes to a carnival and there would be all of these extra senses involved which is exactly why VR is moving and becoming more powerful. So when you say having an experience, you are right on a level that is so deep biologically um, that it's, it's super, super cool to think about the fact that our brains will believe the thing that we see even when we are not physically there to experience it, which is one of the really cool, powerful things that we get to do as artists here's a weird thought.
2: Is there maybe an element of safety to also experiencing art versus experiencing something in reality? I mean, even from this kind of, you know, communal conscious sort of perspective, um, I mean, like zoologically, humans can really only have so many deep connections with other humans. When our social circle expands or we're surrounded you know by a million people in a large city or something like that or you know our 5000 friends on facebook whatever it becomes overwhelming because we're just not wired to have that kind of deep family sort of unit and connection with that many people so perhaps like is there this kind of safety element then in being able to share a human experience through art without the risk involved of actually being with another person.
1: Yes. Yes. A hundred times yes. Um I wrote a blog for Scott Kelby, I don't know, six plus months ago, something like that. And that's one of the things I talked about in there is the fact that fantasy in particular, which is why I think that um fantasy is such a a powerful genre. It gives you the experience or the ability to experience these wild things from the safety of your couch or your reading chair or whatever. Um, which is why I also think that books are so powerful. But yes, it allows you to walk in those shoes without the danger of being in those shoes, 100%. And as the writer, you get that as well. I get to force my characters to go through experiences I'm scared of or that I don't want to have happen to me to show myself that they're capable of overcoming them and they can come out on the other side okay. So yes, 100%, 100 times.
4: But then there's also that level of being connected to such a great like so many other people that are artists in the world, like knowing that fact on that, that more superficial level where we're not like super close friends with them, but we still feel that connection um, with them. I feel like those more superficial connections we're a we are able to take a lot more in. And it's interesting that you pointed out that on a deeper level, we do get overwhelmed. Like if we try to keep connect to all 5,000 of those friends on Facebook and uh, it is, it does get overwhelming, but at the same time, like knowing that you have that kind of connection and you're a part of something bigger on a, you know, not as deep of a level is still something, at least for me, I just des- desire to be a part of something like, uh, bigger, like when you know that there's a big, um, movement towards, uh, like making part of our world more beautiful and, and better. Um, I think that that level of connection definitely also um, funnels or filters down how much we're able to experience. Sorry, I'm dropping my kids off, so I didn't quite get to finish that thought all the way, but I can't say much more. I'm so sorry, you guys are amazing, and I love hearing this and has really helped me kind of solve a lot of things I've been working through. I really appreciate it.
6: No
1: worries, lady. Carol, go ahead.
6: Well, one thing I was gonna say, it made me think about movies and the kind of movies I watch compared to the kind of movies my husband watches. Like I watch, he said, you know, my son and my husband said when they hear all this gunfire and all this, you know, it's always like suspense. And it really gets my adrenaline up, in fact, so much so that sometimes I want to stop the movie and then I go and I clean house with that energy that is pent up. So that is serving some kind of need where I don't want to have myself in danger, but there is something about that, that is, you know, it fulfills a need. Whereas my husband watches the ones that are like the, you know, Shakespeare and, and those kind of, and, and other kind of things that you might call chick flicks, because they, I mean, for me, those take my emotions in a way that is not comfortable I mean I like the Shakespeare ones but some of the other stuff that is like so emotional just I can't I can't deal with it it's too much but for some reason all the gunfire and suspense and it's like oh no watch out and I'm you know shouting at the tv and stuff (laughs) um fulfills the need I I don't know it's just so that's what we're doing in viewing whatever we're viewing I guess um fulfilling some kind of need within ourselves Thanks, I'm done. Vicariousness
1: is a hell of a drug. It's a real thing.
2: That need, though, is is interesting, too, because I was thinking, again, you know, like, if the kinds of art that we consume makes us feel good, there's plenty of us who like things that don't maybe make us feel good in a classical sense. Like, horror movies are a thing. Those are not particularly Enjoyable feelings for the most part, or you know, those exciting adrenaline rushes from ex- action movies and things like that. So, what what kind of need then is being fulfilled? I mean, like I know I I, I like dark film and TV um versus you know my partner. He likes I don't I don't even know how to, he likes like adult cartoons and like slapstick humor, and I cannot stand it. But that's what makes him feel good because it is giving it's serving some need and some purpose for him, right? But like when I watch television or I watch a movie, like I want the experience of thinking actively. I want the learning experience even. Like if I'm watching a horror movie, I wanna be thinking about what kind of actions need to be taken to survive the situation. I wanna be thinking about how things work. So it is a learning experience for me and that's the need that is being served by things that aren't explicitly good.
6: Yeah, and it's it's a safe way of of doing that, you know, like the uh, apocalyptic films. I don't want to be in a in an apocalypse, but I really enjoy the ingenuity of the people dealing with these extreme situations and finding a way to survive on their wit. So it's an adventure from the safety of my couch, you know. I'm done.
1: So I, I have an insight into this a little bit as a storyteller. Um, there's a couple things happening here. One is honestly just the desire to feel something, to feel, just to feel. Um, we can become addicted to our emotions, that's a real thing, um, but we have a desire to feel and we also have a desire to experience novelty. That is something that lights up our brains. Raccoons have this too, which is why you see them go do crazy shit, like randomly climb a building. And before we realized this about raccoons, biologists were like, why would they do this? Why would they take these risks? Why would they put in in danger themselves when the major onus of any species is to continue living because That part of their brain craves new experiences. And we have that also. Which is why you will see us do absolutely insane things that don't make any sense. Like free soloing a huge rock face. Or you could drop off to your death. Because there are several things happening internally there. And it's not necessarily that we're always looking to feel good, but that we're looking to feel. And we're looking for novelty. And when you're looking at these genres that tend to be darker or tend to be um, more dangerous what you get is almost always but not all the time unless you're looking at a tragedy but almost always somebody lives and that is an affirmation that's an affirmation of everything is dark and things are bad but you could still make it and we're like thank god for that and a post-apocalyptic took a big surge when the Uh, pandemic happened and so did so did obviously pandemic fiction those things hit a big surge when that happened because everybody was going things are dark right now somebody show me some proof that some of us can make it and so when we need that we can gravitate towards those things so there's absolutely as you were mentioning carol there's a need being filled there and it's not always to feel good but it's to feel and it's also to have some kind of reinforcement um so that on the whole we believe somehow everything is gonna be okay.
6: Well and plus I think it's the novelty and the cleverness, you know, because I mean it relates to to my art too in that I try and, you know, explore things that I haven't and it expands your mind kind of to do that it's serving some kind of need but like in those movies when they they just have you know uh x amount of materials and they have to keep themselves warm and they have to keep themselves fed and what are they going to do with the materials that they have to deal with though they are scarce and their options are limited well that's exactly how i approach my art and i didn't even make this connection until this conversation but it's the same thing learning I'm done.
1: Well, we're coming about the end of our hour. So, Becca, um, I'd love to hear some final thoughts from you, since this was kind of a question you wanted to pose this morning um, on how the conversation went. What are you thinking? Do you have any final thoughts?
2: No, I don't think at all. Um I, I love what Carol just said about making that connection just now. I mean, this is definitely not a, a right or wrong, here's an expert opinion kind of question. Like, this is really a, more of a, a personal philosophy kind of question. Um, so I appreciate that everyone's had their own insights and come to their own conclusions over the course of this last hour. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be thinking about uh, about these these biological triggers for a little bit, too, just... I mean, they're, they're valuable from then coming out of our layman perspective and back into our artist perspective. How do we trigger those biological needs in our audience? How do we then take that and use that tactfully and tactically even um, to create the right kind of connections with our audience?
1: For sure. it's just, and it, That's a really fantastic question. I would encourage folks, um, even for those of you who are not Um, writers, I would encourage you to go and look up a little bit about things like story structure and tension and all of that kind of stuff because fiction writers are master craftsmen of manipulation. Um, They understand very deeply how to connect to and affect the emotions of the people who are reading, how to build the tension, how to release it, how to increase it until you're at the breaking point, um, how to meet those psychological needs, those emotional needs, and how to snatch them away again. And it would be really cool to see how having that understanding... Ah, the cliffhanger leaving us wanting more. Us... <laughs> Pregnant pauses! No, I'm sorry, I was getting a phone call. Um, unfortunately, that was not my it was circumstance. Anyway, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm super glad we have this conversation today. I found it so incredibly interesting to hear from everybody's perspectives on what drives them to seek out and experience art. It just is an incredibly cool thing to hear also those through lines that we all have, um, the things that are similar, things that we're looking for, those emotional state changes, that vicariousness, that ability to not only escape from the critical part of our brain, Um, But also to experience what it's like to be ourselves without internal judgment, which is such an amazing thing. The way that art connects us um, and how people for millennia have been driven to this act of creation and connection and sharing and exploration and experimentation. It's really an incredible thing to think about. And so cool that we get to make our living that way, y'all. Like, how lucky are we? So hopefully today's conversation made you think a little bit, made you explore a little bit, was a little bit helpful, a little bit entertaining. And hopefully you'll come and join us again tomorrow morning, bright and early at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's 6 for the West Coast and 9 a.m. for the East Coast. Afternoon for our friends overseas. Don't forget to go check out theartistforge.com where we have daily blog posts um, showing up with podcasts that you can get the transcripts for if you're interested. Some really interesting articles going up there. And join us at our Facebook group, which is linked above. Come and hang out. The Facebook group is private. So if you're not a member, we do have to let you in. Please make sure that you answer those questions um, because that lets us know that you are paying attention and you're not a bot. So um, go ahead and do that for us because we want to hear from you. Have a fantastic day, everybody. Go make or consume something amazing and we'll see you tomorrow.
0: Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at The Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.